0: Right, Ethan. It's you and me, bud. <laughs> so, so I want to ask you a question. Can you see the wind? No. So how do you know it's windy? You feel it, right? So, like, let's do this together. You feel it. One of them is blowing your wrist. You can feel that, right? That's wind, right? And outside, if it's windy, you feel it. And what happens to your hair? It blows everywhere, right? I have a picture of Sylvia when we were in Scotland, and you know how my wife's hair is really long, right? And her hair is going like this, straight out this way, because it was so windy. I, I forgot to bring it. I should have ask me later, and I'll show it to you, okay? So, um, so, the, so first, yeah, you you feel it, and then what's the other? What other things can happen when you get you get cold? Okay. All right, that's feeling it too. So there might let me th- let's talk about something. So the other thing is, is what happens? You can't see the wind, but you can see what the wind is doing. Like the picture of my my wife's hair all the way over here. You say, what's doing that? Well, she didn't fix her hair that way. So she uh, it's the wind, right? So you see the effects of the wind. So that's what you see. You don't see the wind per se, but you see the effects of it. Okay, so you you feel it, you see the effects of it. And what else? You ever been out and it's blowing? you ever hear anything? Like you hear it rustling through the leaves, or you hear it even blowing through your on your ears, right? Or if you're driving in the car, you hear a whistle, right? Like a little whistle, and that means the wind blowing. Or if you're in your house, it might blow through the, the vents around your house. Or the chimney, you might hear uh, the wind blowing in it. You know what? In South Texas, we know what the wind sounds like, don't we? Because it blows a lot. Well, when the Holy Spirit came, Right after, so Jesus died, and then about 50 days before he, after he died, came the Holy Spirit. And what the first thing that happened in the room where all those people who believed in Jesus was they heard a great sound like a wind, okay, and then they saw some things that made them think that something spectacular was happening, and then it caused them. They saw the effects in themselves, okay. And so, when the Holy Spirit is in you and me, the same things happen. So once it, we can feel it, we may not feel it like a touch, but we can feel it in our heart, like that. There's a specialness, a warmth, or a love there. Then the other thing that happens is that then we'll be able, we'll also be able to see the effects. Our our behavior changes, right? All right. And one of the ways that we in, we can understand the Holy Spirit's working is by hearing the Word of God. And that's what we try to do every day, in ch- every time we come to church, is somebody speaks the Word of God, which allows the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Okay? So, when you think of the wind, when you go outside, think of the Holy Spirit. God moving to towards you and for you. Okay? You want to pray with me? Lord, we we pray this day that we can have an even deeper sense of understanding how your Holy Spirit works within us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming up here with me, not leaving me up here all by myself. (laughs) All right, you want to go back to your seat? Want some wind these days, right? When it's been as hot as it's been, <laughs> yes, we wouldn't. I wouldn't mind a 20 mile an hour wind right now. When it's 100 degrees, so it cool us off a bit. It, not from the west, from the east, so it brings the cool water feel. Right, the west would just make it hotter. All right. So we're in Acts um, today, chapter two. When the day of the Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there was a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and tongues rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now this, there was devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. At, and at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all These who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and uh, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds and power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let us be let it be this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even among the slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents, In the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall turn, be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. So happy birthday, Church! This is the birth of our church so many years back. So Luke, we see, uh, who wrote Acts and the book of the Gospel of Luke, he gave us the most detailed account concerning the birth of Jesus, and now through the book of Acts is giving a detailed uh, a detailing of the birth of the Church not just in this scripture but throughout how the, it's the birth of how the church spread into the world at their known time and it begins with the coming of the holy spirit here in chapter 2 today is pentecost sunday and it celebrates god the holy spirit's release among humanity in a new way for that's not this is not the beginning of the holy spirit because the holy spirit was uh, it's been a part of All of God, because God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit from the creation all the way through. But this is a new manifestation of that Spirit. And in this Holy Spirit's initial experience in this way, in Jerusalem, there's a great wind, a mystical and physical and auditory experience, as well as a lingual miracle. Some have said um, that maybe it's not a lingual miracle, maybe it was a hearing miracle. Right? How people received and could hear in their own language. Um, it's not for me to say. Um, but I, I will take it as a lingual miracle. Men, mostly of Galilee, and not well-traveled or well-educated, those, those disciples, spoke different languages from all over the known world. This significant event drew the world travelers into the present of, presence of the disciples because they heard their native languages being spoken. They first heard the big noise. I've seen them come, but what kept them, and what attracted them even closer, was begin to hear their languages spoken. And through their native tongues, they learned by spoken word of the great works of God. It seemed to all an utterly unearthly experience and difficult to explain. So let's think about, let's set the stage a bit. Last week was Ascension Sunday, where we, we the church celebrated uh, Jesus going into heaven. And right before that, in Acts 1, starting in verse 4 and 5, you'll see this. He says, Jesus is talking to his disciples. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Not many. And so we're, we're at the not many days from now. But going back, as we look back there in Acts 1, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he commands the disciples to stay in Jerusalem. What was Jerusalem to them? When I think of it, I think of a place of pain. The last thing that happened to them in Jerusalem was Jesus died. And though he was resurrected, and they might think that this is a dangerous place. They might want to leave. And Jesus, God is telling them to stay in their pain until the resource comes. Now, think about it. Americans don't like that message. We want, if something's uncomfortable, we want out of it now. Now. And in our prayers, we usually are asking to get out of it, not to ask God to bring resource to us to walk through it. And I think this is a good message for us. That you you and I are called to be in the uncomfortableness, the difficultness, until the resource comes. The other thing I would say about um, uh, Pentecost Sunday, in my readings, some would connect it to the the Tower of Babel that happened back in Genesis eleven and others said no it doesn't have anything to do with it. But if you look and see how they are, the Tower of Babel is people speaking the same language and then they had an arrogance about them to do what they wanted to do. And therefore what occurred from that is a separation of languages. So they they they, they were not they spoke then they were caused to speak different languages. Verses here, people spoke different languages. Um, and they were called, uh, they, what you see from the disciples since they had to wait in Jerusalem until the resource came, you see a, a dependence, a humbleness in them that they trust and waited on the Holy Spirit. Whereas the, in, the, in the, the Genesis story, there's a separation because of the arrogance, and even though there's different languages in this story, there's a unifying character, a characteristic that brings people together because of the Holy Spirit. Well, why? When you think about it, what? Why was it at this time? So this was another one of the festivals. The Jews have three festivals uh, that on which uh, most Jews uh, made a pilgrimage. Jerusalem would have been full of people from all over the known land there. And um, so this was the Feast of Weeks, which is their Pentecost, which is 50 days after Passover. Um, and it was, uh, it was a time where they celebrated the first fruits of the harvest. And then they came to make sacrifices to, to God with those uh, first fruits of the harvest. And what we see is two groups coming together here. We had the first group, were the, uh, the, the the small group of Christians, 120 or so. And that was men, women, and children. And then you had the whole entire group in Jerusalem, those who lived there all the time, and then those who were traveling there for the festival, but from all over the world. What struck me uh, about my reading of this was The Invitation, how, how God drew um, all the people together to move in their lives. And so I think one of the things I would encourage you and me to do today is reflect on what draw, drew us first to Jesus and what continues to draw or invite us into that relationship uh, with God through Jesus. We know that in Acts 2, God attracted the Jews of every nation through the noise stirring in the wind. And uh, th- as they were drawn to the disciples, they began to hear the disciples speak in their mother tongue. They, both the disciples and the world travelers, mostly spoke, well, they were, uh, they were multilingual. That was a multilingual community like ours is. There's a lot of Spanish and English here, right? Well, the, the language of the empire in, at their time in Jerusalem, was Greek. So most of them spoke Greek, and then they spoke their native tongue wherever, from wherever they were raised. Uh, and so when they couldn't speak their mother tongue, they would go to the language of the empire. Um, uh, but the world travelers did not hear their language of the empire. They heard the language of their hearts that their mother and fathers taught them the language of their hearts. As we reflect on this, with think about the whole event of something happening, drawing us to God. Was there some unexpected whole person experience that got your attention about the significance and power of having a relationship with God? Perhaps there was a connectedness um, that occurred where you felt something bigger than yourself. like And maybe it was a surprise as well, like someone speaking your mother tongue in a, and when you were in a foreign land. I can tell you of an experience that happened to me. Uh, and I think I've already told you this before, but it is, as I was studying this, I thought, maybe this is my Pentecost. It's personal experience. Um, I... Uh, this, this happened like four weeks after I was in college, um, and it's a significant experience because I remember it like it was yesterday. I, uh, I do remember several things around it that kind of set the stage. So I, was, uh, I played football, so I went a couple weeks earlier. I was a star on my football team, and I was a peon on my college football team. <laughs> and I got the crap beat out of me for two weeks before school started, and then I was getting beat up every day after class. Uh, and then I was in a new environment. I was a popular person in my, my school, my high school. I went there. I, I was just starting to develop relationships. I was kind of lost. And I got depressed. One day I remember having a physical experience, Carolyn, where I, I think I had a panic attack, really, now that I look back. I, I broke out in a cold sweat. I thought it was kitsch and the flu or something. And so I got out of practice that day anyway. <laughs> but but I, the anxiety was real. And that one, there was one night I remember just distinctly where I was just feeling so alone, so alone, and I, I, I was in my dorm room, the lights were turned out, it was dark, And I was crying, and I said, Lord, I'm, I'm scared, I don't know what to do, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed, and there something happened, um, and um, Ethan, I felt something in my heart like a warmth. We were talking about that. And then I began to hear words, not audible now, so you don't think I'm crazy. (laughs) But they were distinct words that were coming from my heart to my ears and to my mind. Joey, because I was Joey at the time. I'm here. I'm right here with you. You're not by yourself. And I love you. I love you dearly. And I think you love me, but there's things you could do to sh- to learn about me more. And he says I'd love for you to get to know me better. And he said there's two things you can do to get to know me better. You can you can read your Bible more because that those are the stories about me. And then you can pray and talk to me and listen to me. And I can tell you that a miracle happened in my own life because that. What felt like a thousand pounds on my shoulders was gone, and I was like Muhammad Ali, light as a feather, <laughs> right? Uh, and uh, and I remember I felt so good. I mean, I was it was so transforming. In in 20, 30 minutes, I walked out my dorm room, uh, the the front door of my dorm, and I looked up at the sky. It was dark, starry night. I just winked, like, okay, God. We're after it. Let's go. And that was kind of, and actually, you know, I, 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 I came to Jesus several years earlier, like four years earlier. But I came to Jesus as just afraid, and I wanted a security blanket. Um But what happened, it, uh, I think, for the disciples and what happened for me in that moment was I, I said yes to Jesus, to God in a real way, that yes, I'll partner with you in life. Because I need you and want you and I want to be, I want this relationship. I want to be committed to this relationship. And so so you might have, think about how, what brought you, drew you to Jesus? What invites you to Jesus? And as we think about that invitation, when I think about someone speaking my language, my mind goes beyond, and expands beyond just words being spoken. I begin to think about behaviors and demeanors that foster a deeper connection and relationship. A relationship where something important can be shared, like the gospel, like understanding that the God of the universe wants a personal relationship with each and every one of us. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Galatians, speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. By contrast, Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You find these in Galatians 5, 22, and 23. I see in these fruits the characteristics that invite me to connect to someone who demonstrates them. When you see these these things, someone that's loving and joyous, someone who has a peace about them, somebody is patient someone that's kind and generous, something, someone that has a faithfulness, a gentleness, that is self-controlled, these draw me towards them, invite me into the, to connect with that person. It's kind of, that they, they speak a language that allows me to speak my language. They, that language is a language of trust. And, and it speaks to my heart, maybe not so much my head, but to my heart. And having these behaviors for you and me as Christians uh, to know, having these behaviors along with the words that we speak about the gospel create a holistic invitation. Not just a word invitation, but a person-to-person relationship uh, invitation. So, as you think about it, what are the characteristics that invite you into? How has God wooed you in that conversation I just shared? I mean, that story I just shared for you, in my life. That God was loving. Uh, he was patient with me. He uh, He had a He gave me a sense of peace. He was generous, um, and so. Uh, but I've also found that in people who have mentored me and who have uh, befriended me and walked beside me. So I'm going to switch gears now a bit, going from that very personal thing. I want to—I don't want you to miss the cosmic happening. There's a cosmic happening in the, Pente- the Pentecost uh, event um, because of these invitations. We can see the historical growth of God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and how the Holy is actions uh, as it went out to all that are in Jerusalem. It went out to all the people. It was not exclusive. Can you see this as an extension to the original blessing of Abraham and Sarah? Remember, the original blessing in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, where he says, I, I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. So it, it, it's now set loose on the whole world through the Holy Spirit, through the disciples and working in them. And then on to us. So first there was the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then there was the 12 tribes of Israel. And then at Pentecost, through the disciples and the continuing of making disciples, it was set loose on the whole world. So when we accept this invitation to deep relationship with Jesus, what happens? With God, what happens? When the Holy Spirit really moves within our lives, what happens? Well, let's look at Peter. We find uh, Peter was resourceful on that day. Look at his behavior change. When the people tried to make fun of what happened, of the people saying they were drunk, he got up to speak along with the the disciples. Now, who is Peter? Of course, he's a disciple, right? He's the one that made the great confession. He's the one that said, "Uh, you are the Son of God. And then Jesus bestowed upon him his nickname, the rock, right? And so he had that. But wait a minute. He was also the denier. And he denied in two ways. Not, the one, not the, just the one about the three times at when Jesus was going to the cross. He denied him actually earlier. Do you remember right after he had said, you are the son of the living God? Jesus tells him, you're right. And I'm going to have to die. What does Peter say? No, that will never happen to you. And then what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. And so he was a confused fella. Now, I love him for that because I'm a confused fellow a lot of times. So but look what the Holy Spirit did to him. How, the other thing he was, he was a defeated fisherman, Right? He tried to be a disciple. He actually went back to fishing. Jesus had to call him from the boat. Um, But he came forth on that day with the Holy Spirit's help, the resource that we get from God to explain. He had the wisdom through the Holy Spirit to connect um, their experience on that day to their Jewish history through the prophet Joel. Going back to verse 17, you see he says, in the last days, it will be, as Joel said, God declares, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And then going on down to 20, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. So today being Pentecost Sunday we see that Peter used Joel's prophecy to explain the events of that what that were happening. He linked the current phenomena with the fruition of Joel's prophecy that will lead to the coming of the Lord's day. The Lord's day is what all Jews wanted is when God will reign. Peter's recital of this was an exhortation of God's Holy Spirit was coming with great energy. Uh, and what does that energy look like? In verse 17 and 18, you can see that Joel described, the prophet Joel described what it would look like of the day, as the day of the Lord would begin. The Holy Spirit expresses itself through prophecy visions and dreams and the young and old alike, as we reflect on these expressions of the Spirit moving in ordinary people, how do you see them working in you? Do you dream dreams about how the world could be if God, with God totally in charge? Now these dreams are not selfish ones. They're not just about ourselves and our loved ones. They include our imagination about how it would be if the world was a holistic family under God. And if you're dreaming those dreams, if we built on those dreams, what I see as vision comes from that. I see that the vision is the ability to see the world as God would have seen it. And or see the world as God would want to have it, and then, and then then take that vision as a direction for the intention of my life. So so I dream a dream about how God might be working in the world, and then I see. I start to have a vision or you start to have a vision about how is God working and what would God call me to, to be a part of that vision. Because a vision sets direction and it calls for someone to follow that direction. And if you and I have a direction, that then we're going to go in that direction. And this is the direction that God would call us and we're going to give all our efforts to that direction and finally, as I, just, I, as I think about prophecy, I describe prophecy as I read it in the scriptures as the prediction of something that will happen in the future if one, usually uh, the nation of Israel, um, and it's usually not a good thing uh, because they continue to act in unthankful ways. So it's a prediction of if you do this, this is what's going to happen to you. And most of the scriptures' predictions of prophecies are if you do this, This is what's going to happen to you. Well, if you think about that, practically speaking, prophecy helps you and me to act presently in wise and faithful ways, not in unwise and unfaithful ways, so that we might experience the dreams and visions of participating in God's kingdom work. Peter reminds us that when we are involved in that, and actually, it's not so much that, that it's not our doing, but we are part of that. We are experiencing salvation. Because he says, Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So hear me clear, clearly. You're not doing to be saved. No us, But sometimes we think as Christians, salvation is what happens after death. We're going to be saved to eternal life. No, actually, salvation happens once we start a relationship Jesus. He starts saving us now and transforming us to participate with God in God's holy work now. And so it's, it's not that the actions save us. No, it's that the salvation calls us to action to live in the world as God would call us. And then we begin to see an affirmation so what happened? You think about what is the power of the Holy Spirit? These defeated twelve people, changed the whole world. Look at the whole world. Look at the influences of the Christian life. What Jesus did, and he's and he does that by being with you and me individually first, always calling us into personal relationship. So may we, with God's help, do two things. Speak the same language as others in words and behavior so that we might invite them into a holistic relationship. And may we, with the, with the Holy Spirit's help, may we, you and me, dream dreams and have visions and live as we imagine God's way in the life Whatever we see God doing, step into it as God calls us to. Amen. Amen. We will now uh, go to the table of our Lord. We're gonna we're gonna celebrate communion today. Uh, and as we as we take uh, partake of um, the body and blood of Christ today, um, think about how the Holy Spirit is working in you and what these elements tell you about what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. Okay, Shall we go to the table? So I'll ask the deacons come forward.